What does every grocery store aisle now have in common? Products that come in paper packaging. And we don't just mean the obvious ones like cereal boxes and juice cartons. From beauty products to boxed water, there are more opportunities to go papertarian than ever before. So why should you? Because paper comes from a renewable resource and can be recycled up to seven times. Simply put, it's the smart choice for the environment. And it turns out, the easiest choice for you. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. What do the most successful growing businesses have in common? They're working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. Go behind the wheel, under the hood, and beyond with Car Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hi, welcome to Car Stuff. I'm Scott. And I'm Ken. And today we're here with, uh, don't get mad at me, Noel. Today we're here with our super producer, Noel Pappy Brown, as Happy. always. Happy. Yeah. I was going to say Noel Malletman Brown. Oh, that's good. They're both... They're both good. Something tells me that Noel would probably, you probably prefer the mallet man to Pappy, huh? He's shaking his fist at me. Yeah, Pappy. That's a funny one. <laughs> uh, yeah, so today we're uh, we're looking at something that you told me about that I had no idea existed until uh, the magic of Facebook informed us. Yeah, a few people out there know about this, obviously. That's how I found out about it. I mean, there's photographs of this, and there's, uh, there's a couple of posts here and there, but not a lot of information about this, so... It's going to be, uh, this could be very short, could be, uh, could be something longer if we take it, you know, different directions. But, yeah, uh, we are talking about the short lived sport of auto polo. And yes. it's exactly what it sounds it's like. It's exactly what it sounds like. People playing polo with in cars instead of on horses. Yeah. Now, okay, I thought about this a couple of different ways. And, and there's some crazy photographs you can look up online and see what's, you know, what's going on with, uh, with auto polo. Right. And this is, uh, happening, you know, turn of the, you know, 20th century. So a long, long time ago. Birth of the automobile. And I was wondering, you know, how there was that odd point in time where when the car came around, when the first, uh, you know, the, the gasoline powered cars, the, the cars with engines and not steam powered or you know, right. electric or whatever. Right. And they called them the horseless carriage. And then people were doing some kind of kooky things. They were adding, um, you know, a horse head to the front I knew of their. You were going to say that. Their, That's the first carriage. one. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. You know, they were, they were trying to make the car look like the horse. And people were saying, this isn't really going to stick around. You know, this is a, this is a fad. It's a trend. It's a flash mm-hmm. in the pan. Right. Uh, the cars are going to be gone, but you know, give me a good horse. That's what we need is a horse. If God intended us to roll. He would have given us tires instead of feet. Yeah. Exactly. Stuff like that was said all the time. And I was wondering, if this is kind of a way, you know, because polo was being played at this time. Right. You know, on horses. Is a, yeah. a standard game, I guess, of polo, mm-hmm. a typical game. And I was wondering if this was like a way of saying like, well, you know, these cars, these horseless carriages can do the same thing as horses can out on the field. You know, that's a really interesting point, too, because the public in many areas of the world was pretty skeptical about uh, a, a car, just given the massive expense of a car 
and the propensity for a car to break down in ways that a horse would not. Absolutely, yeah. And I, I guess in a way, if you want to look at uh, like the modern World Rally Championship or something, I mean, that's like that's almost like a steeplechase would be, you know, jumping things, but not yeah. quite exactly the same. But I don't know. There's there's some uh, some similarities to be drawn there. I think right. between this auto polo sport and the birth of what they called the horseless carriage, you know, in the, at the turn of the century. And this is the wild West, by the way, uh, the early days of cars, mm-hmm. right? Figuratively Definitely. speaking. So you guys know what polo is. Polo is team sport. You're on horseback. There are two teams playing. Uh, you score by hitting a ball into the opposing team's goal, uh, from horseback using a long handed mallet, Right. And uh, it's usually on a large grass field, 300 meters long by 160 meters. This the, the polo that we're talking about now still kind of like echoed those rules. They had they had people with mallets. They had mallet men. Right. Yeah. Uh, and they had they had uh, drivers <laughs> and they had a ball. But uh, this one was actually. A marketing scheme, as yeah. far as we can tell. Yeah, exactly right. It was uh, it was uh, kind of developed or, or reportedly um, promoted, I guess, first, and not not necessarily the inventor. And I'll tell you why he's not really the inventor right. of this whole thing. But right. but the first promoter of this sport, the, not necessarily the inventor, but the first promoter of this was a guy by the name of Ralph Pappy Hankinson. Yeah, yeah. See, no, I'm not just picking on you. That's his name. It's, <laughs> it was a, it was an appropriate nickname. Out of Wichita, Kansas, and mm-hmm. uh, in Wichita, I guess this guy was a, uh, a Ford automobile dealer at the time. And yeah, he was from Topeka, uh, but held this event in Wichita. But um, he's from Topeka, and he had devised this sport as a way to uh, sell Model T cars. Yeah, and break a heck of a lot of them too. Yeah, that's the thing. Like he's trying to get people interested in this and he was able to get together a group of 5,000 people to watch this first event that happened in 1912. Yeah, on July 20th, they had four cars and eight players. So, uh two teams of two cars, the Red Devils and the Gray Ghosts. And uh the reason they had two people in there, I believe, is cuz one was driving and the other one was out there swinging with the mallet. Yeah, this is nuts. Now, we'll we'll get to that in just a moment, but I want to mention that 12 or 10 years rather prior Someone had proposed this idea. So in 1902, a guy by the name of uh, Joshua Crane Jr. Yeah. Um, of a, he was of a, a polo club in Boston. So he kind of kind of fancy. Yeah, kinda he fancy had said, guy. you know, well, he's a polo guy, but he said, you know what, let's do this, let's try this with cars. But they didn't actually do it. This guy, uh, Pappy Pappy Hankinson, mm-hmm. was the very first one to actually do it and to actually get an audience, you know, of, of 5,000 people together to watch this happen. And what a crazy sport! Now we're, we'll try to describe it, as you said, Ben. Um, it's pretty insane. Right. It's a stripped down car. It looks like uh, a rolling chassis, really. It has, you know, the, you, you could picture a Model T without the body on it. Yeah, um, that's a good way so to So there's say the, it. uh, you know, the radiator, the engine, the driver's seat, the chassis, the wheels, and that's about it. That's it. There's an extra platform on the side that they have built. Kind of like uh, a running board almost. Yeah, on the, uh, on the passenger side. And that is where the mallet man would stay, stand and kind of hang on to, you know, bits of frame that were left behind or, you know, something that they had devised, like a, a hoop or a roll, right. a roll bar of some kind. Um, the early days, the earliest early days of this, they didn't have any extra safety measures in place. But later, you know, as the sport kind of developed, and it did develop, I mean, it stuck around for, uh, you know, a good 10 or 12 or 15 years. 
Mm-hmm. Um, surprisingly, I'm yeah. surprised all the competitors weren't dead uh, at this point. But the popularity picked up. Yeah, after uh, 1912, there were multiple leagues yeah. across the country, and, and they started to develop, you know, some uh, I guess safety features on these, if you can sure. call it that. Really, and I mean, a regulatory body as well. Yeah, and when I say safety, I mean when you look at what they developed, the, the roll bars that they put in place looked like nothing more than a, a cheap piece of metal that they had welded or tack welded on um, a hoop, almost like it looks so flimsy, Ben. Like nothing yeah. really. It wouldn't really protect the driver or the the, uh, the mallet man if it were to roll over. Now, the driver was belted in. The mallet man was not. He was free on the side. And uh, oftentimes, I would think that these guys would tumble off of their off of their mount and uh, in, into the path of an oncoming vehicle. Because there are four cars on the on the field at any given time, um, all of them, you know, with the goal of getting to the same ball. This uh, it's a regulation basketball that they would right, play with. Right. Yeah. So the ball is a little bit bigger. Uh, the cars could reach a top speed of 40 miles per hour. Yeah. Now that's the top speed of a Model T. So I don't know that around 40, 45 is, is maxing out on a Model T. Well, yeah, the, I think that uh, we know the first auto polo cars, like the 1912 cars, mm-hmm. were mobile runabouts. Yeah, a little right? different. Those were steam-powered, right? Right, yes, sir. Steam-powered cars. Yeah, the first uh, marketable steam car, the first one that was actually reliable enough to sell. Yeah, and then after that, then they went to these stripped-down Model T's yeah, because exactly. of their, their availability and the low cost. Right. Uh, because I think those first vehicles, I think the, the, the qu- price quoted – was that they were a single-person vehicle. They only seated one, but that doesn't matter because the other guy's just hanging on the side anyways. Yeah, yeah. Um, about $650, which was equivalent to about uh, close to $18,000 in today's money. Mm-hmm, hmm So not cheap by any means because no. you're going out there to just absolutely destroy this car. And and later in the podcast, well, I'll give you some information on what one team spent in one year on vehicles and equipment and and. Maybe not in dollars and cents, but the uh, the cost of the equipment that, that uh, they – they encountered for that one year of competition. Agreed. And I'm going to pepper in some quotations from uh, journals and papers at the time because, as it turns out, uh, the the British thought this was insane. Yeah. Uh, and people were marketing it as a reasonable thing in the States. They would say, well, you know, for polo, you you need a, a large field and good weather, yeah. but you and, can drive inside. And they were hopeful that it wasn't going to spread to their continent. However... It did. And, yeah. uh, and here's how this thing started to gain traction. Now we talked about, you know, this debut happening in Ju- uh, July of 1912. Yeah. Well, it, uh, there were, there were, <laughs> there's a time where this became wildly popular. Mm-hmm. And around that time, just after 1912, auto polo leagues started to spring up all over the United States. Um, and they actually had a, a group called the Auto Polo Association that formed. Yeah. And they had large-scale exhibition events, you know, that happened all over again, mostly in the eastern United States at, at the, this time. Um, right, yeah, it's like a Boston, New York kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. But they did spread a little bit closer into, you know, like out into the Midwest as well. To Chicago. Yeah, because in the 19... Yeah, Chicago, good, good point, Ben, because in the 1920s, in New York City and Chicago, they were kind of the principal cities for auto polo, well, within the United States at that time, and they said that there were auto polo matches happening every single night of the week in those cities, in New York and Chicago. Now, can you imagine that? I mean, they were happening in Madison Square Gardens. They were happening at Coney Island. I can kind of picture Coney Island. I can kind of picture Atlantic City, places like that, you know, where uh, the crowds are, you know, thirsty for something unusual, something different. You know, it's, uh, it's nightlife, it's entertainment, stuff like that. But to have this actually happening in Madison Square Gardens, I mean... 
that's typically that was typically reserved for more of the um the more I, I'll say mundane but you know concerts and yeah. um you know performance performances. live performances and things like that but not necessarily auto polo happening at the turn of the century. Uh okay, here's one from uh Western Field, the Sportsman's Magazine of the West. Auto polo is the newest craze of the day. As its full name, automobile polo implies it is polo played with automobiles instead of with hay motors, which was the oh. name for horses. Ben, I, I like say. your 1920s voiceover. That's <laughs> great. That transatlantic. Yeah. <laughs> uh, wait, I just want to just want to preview. Let me just read this one part, just to sort of foreshadow. Sure. What happens with auto polo? You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. If you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper, you're a papertarian. Someone who lives a paper-based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet. And also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day. Seriously. It's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water. It's as easy as opting for beauty products that come in paper packaging. It's as easy as grabbing eggs in a cardboard container. And that's all in one trip to the grocery store, which, if we're being honest, you were planning to go to anyway. But paper isn't just an easy choice. Papertarians know that it's the smart choice, too. Because paper comes from trees, a renewable and sustainably managed resource. And paper products are designed to be recycled. In fact, when you choose products that come in paper-based packaging, those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. So why wouldn't you go Papertarian? I'll wait. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're going to go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development, and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? And basically have conversations that can help us get through this crazy thing we call life. I already believe in myself. I already see myself. And so when people give me an opportunity, I'm just like, oh, great, you see me too. We'll laugh together. We'll cry together and find a way through all of our emotions. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Though several collisions occurred in the game at Dedham, no one was hurt. One man, stopping his machine suddenly, lost his balance and fell over the front board just as another carriage was coming right down upon him. This, however, was brought to a stop in time, and the player's own machine passed over him without doing him any harm. Okay, so here's what we're talking about. is a guy getting run over by a car. I got ran yeah. now, Luckily, it wasn't. He, well, okay, yeah, yeah, but you know what? That happened often, and they said that you know broken bones and scratch, you know, scrapes and scratches and everything were were common cuts and bruises. Yeah, but deaths were not common, and I wonder why. I mean, I wonder because when you look at this and you're thinking that these guys are traveling at forty miles an hour with three pound mallets that they're swinging at a you know full size soccer yeah. ball and crashing cars together and banging them up. 
all the photos that you see, and well, not all of them, but most of the photos that you'll see will have, uh, you know, people flying through the air. And here's the thing about Busting that. Busting their humps. I, well, I, I found out that a lot of the, the photographs that you'll see, the promotional photographs, weren't taken during an actual event. They were promotional stuff that was shot that um, was faking some of these collisions. So you'll see that in the, and this is funny, if I, I on closer inspection, I noted this, um, after, you know, some people had mentioned this, you know, in, uh, in some of the forums. They said, look closely, you know, at the back end of that vehicle, you'll see a, a board that's propping the back end of the vehicle up. And yeah. then, you know, the, the, the photographer, photographer would say, you know, I'm going to take the photo in, you know, three, two, one, and then everybody would bail out of the car in the most dramatic way possible. <laughs> and it would look like an auto collision was happening, you know, that, like it was action on the, on the course yeah. at the time. Um, but, but, so beyond all that, beyond the, the fake promotional photos, I mean, this really was a rough and tumble sport. It was something that, you know, you could expect to see car collisions. You could expect to see men getting run over by their own right. cars as they tumbled out and, you know, getting hit with mallets and, you know, cuts and scrapes and broken bones and all that. It really did happen that way. Mm-hmm. And uh, this was exciting to people. It was also a bit glamorous because consider the cost of a vehicle, right? Uh, the kind of people who would already be familiar with polo are already from a certain threshold socioeconomically. So this is a game that you see the well-to-do and maybe celebrities playing. Well, sure. And then probably, you know, hired mallet men or, you know, hired drivers to drive the, on the teams, you know, like maybe yeah. the team is owned by somebody who's wealthy, but, uh, um, you know, the, the people that are out there actually risking life and limb, maybe they're the ones who are, uh, you know, just getting paid for the night or something, you know. So let's talk a little bit about the rules of the game. Huh? Yeah, let's do that. All right. So the field is much smaller, potentially. It's at least uh, 300 feet, 120 feet. Uh, they have 15-foot goals at either side of the field. The game was played in two halves, which were called chuckers. C-H-U-K-K-A-R-S. Yeah, I don't know either. Chuckers. Chuckers. Okay. Uh, and... The, so that, as you know, the teams had two cars, four people in play, and one of them's driving, one of them's doing the mallet. Uh, and Scott, we already talked about how they positioned those people and how they, uh, went from steam powered to, uh, model T's. Uh, there were some early advantages or people thought there were early advantages to this over, uh, what they called pony polo for a while. And the main advantage being that your steed does not get tired, just runs out of gas. Ah, I see. But, you know, there were a lot more things that could go wrong. Yeah, that's what I keep thinking. Because 40 miles an hour, you smash into another vehicle that's going 40 miles an hour. That's a pretty significant collision. I know that most of this was was probably closer, you know, a tighter Tighter scenario, you know, where cars are bumping into each other as they as they travel the same direction or something right, like that. You yeah. know, likely not the head-on collisions that I'm that I'm envisioning, but uh, I'm sure that there were some pretty significant accidents going on as well. Now, you mentioned the size of the field. You said it was at least 300 feet by 120 feet. Yes, uh, with 15 foot wide goals at each end. And the good part about this was that it could be played in a, a covered arena during the winter time. Right. So it kind of fit perfectly into. Uh, the region that this was being played in the uh, kind of the, the northeast region of the United States, sure. typically, and the Midwest. Now, we'd also said that uh, the idea was kind of spreading at this point, or they wanted it to spread. Yeah. And uh, the British had kind of hoped that it wouldn't spread to them, but it eventually did. And, you know, <laughs> when uh, to many places across Europe, not all over Europe, but many places. Um, another thing that uh, happened was that in uh, Manila, in the Philippines, 
Um, I believe that there was a Texaco sponsored mm-hmm. team that, that was recruited. They recruited players from the UK to play in Manila on this Texaco team. And that was in the 1910s. So, you know, shortly after the inception of, of the whole sport is when, when they were doing that. And it makes sense that, uh, it, it makes sense that Texaco would sponsor that. Yeah, it kind of does. I mean, I could see an old oil company doing something like that. I, I get yeah. it. And then in, uh, um, in, in 1913, U.S. teams actually toured uh, Europe to kind of promote the sport and, you know, tried to get it, uh, to get some traction, I guess, over in Europe. And, yeah. and I think they actually did because there were teams or, or leagues that formed, you know, across the way. So they said, you know, this is, uh, this is a good idea. We like what we see here. Yeah. Of course, the journalists were saying, oh, come on, you don't want to do this. This is a lowbrow sport. You don't really want to play a lowbrow sport, do you? And they said, well, looks like fun. I want to do it. I want to try it. And the insurance companies say, guys, we can't do this anymore. Yeah. And <laughs> you know what? In uh, Toronto, they they went to Canada as well. They said, well, you know, we love it. The Canadians probably would love this. So they went to Toronto in 1913. Yeah. And auto polo was the first motorsport to be showcased at the Canadian National Exhibition um, during 19, the 1913 event. And the sport Really never caught on. It just in didn't catch on. And I was looking up the some info about the Canadian National Exhibition. It's kind of if you don't know what it is, it's kind of like an annual fair that's held in Toronto, and it has been since 1879. So it's a long time running. And uh, the original fair was held to showcase things like agriculture and technology, but in the most recent years, that's been changed or or expanded to include things like innovation and science and um, you know just achievements of the Canadian people. Um, today it's an 18 day long fair mm-hmm. and they get something like a million and a half people that attend this event. So it's a huge, huge event. And again, in 1913, they're, they're trying out this auto polo for the first time to show the Canadians and they weren't too impressed. So I would like to, on behalf of the United States of America, apologize to a million and a half Canadians who have been robbed of the Brutal joy of auto polo. I mean, I just. Brutal joy. It would be fun to watch. Well, I, you know, it's different because while these things have massive injuries. Oh, and we do have a, we do have a pretty good stat on that, don't we? On, uh, just the, the injuries to the vehicles as well, well as to the people. Well, I've got an, I got a vehicle stat, not people. Uh, okay. so, so, you know, I mentioned early on that, you know, the, uh, especially, especially the cars that ran at Coney Island, um, I think that they started to develop their own kind of roll cages over the years. And uh, I, I call them roll cages very loosely because um, it's really not a whole lot. And it looks like they're even lower. And this doesn't make any sense to me at all. Some of these okay. roll bars are lower than the driver's shoulders. So that means that if it were to roll over, uh, that wouldn't yeah. really do anything. The crush zone is, is not um, you know covered there. But anyways... That's beyond the point. And the ones that they do have look very, very flimsy again. Right. Um, however, you know, that didn't uh, stop them from incurring a bunch of damages. Now, here's just a tally of damages that was encountered by one team, one group. Um, actually, actually, I should say a couple of teams because this was British and American teams mm-hmm. combined but owned by one person. And that's so, in uh, 24, right? Yeah, this is Hankinson. This is Hankinson, the guy that originally started this whole thing. Pappy. Yeah, Pappy Hankinson. This is his British and American teams from just the 1924 season. Now, th- this this resulted in 1,564 broken wheels, 538 busted tires. I mean, just mm-hmm. explosions, blowouts. Um, 66 broken axles, 10 cracked engines, and six cars that were completely destroyed during the course of just one year. Just one year. And that's for this, uh, this, this Hankinson guy. Now, he did this to promote, you know, selling Model T's right. initially. 
you would have to sell an awful lot of Model Ts to cover <laughs> that kind of damage. But I'm sure he's making a lot of money on the promotion of this uh, of this new sport because he's like the founding father of this whole thing, really. Right. I mean, the I, one who first he. to implement it, you know. I hope he did well. Me too. I hope he cleaned up on this because, I, I mean, I really do because, you know, he would have to sell a lot of Model Ts to cover this cost, we know. Mm-hmm. But I really do. I'd love to see this in action today. Uh, I want to uh, I want to read another quote here from uh, an article called uh, Britain's Fear Auto Polo. In England, automobile touring is still an adventure, and anything more exciting than a race at Brooklyn's is insanity. Witness what the auto, a British publication, has to say after reading a New York paper's account of a game of auto polo. You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens, with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. If you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper, you're a papertarian. Someone who lives a paper-based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet. And also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day. Seriously. It's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water. It's as easy as opting for beauty products that come in paper packaging. It's as easy as grabbing eggs in a cardboard container. And that's all in one trip to the grocery store, which, if we're being honest, you were planning to go to anyway. But paper isn't just an easy choice. Papertarians know that it's the smart choice, too. Because paper comes from trees, a renewable and sustainably managed resource. And paper products are designed to be recycled. In fact, when you choose products that come in paper-based packaging, those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. So why wouldn't you go Papertarian? I'll wait. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're going to go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development, and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. (laughs) People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? And basically have conversations that can help us get through this crazy thing we call life. I already believe in myself. I already yeah. see myself. And so when people give me an opportunity, I'm just like, oh, great, you see me too. We'll laugh together, we'll cry together and find a way through all of our emotions. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Sounds very impressive, and we are quite willing to take all the excitement for granted. All we hope is that this lunatic game shall not spread to these islands. To do our own people justice, we do not believe it will, for they have scarcely arrived at the stage of nervous exhaustion when it requires the stimulus of motor polo to give a sensation of any kind. Ben. 
Where well, do I begin with this? Two voices in one. Quote. I'm sorry. I like it. I like it. But man, what you're saying there—that's funny. It's like uh, it's like it's too much stimulation. Yeah, it's too said, much. It just, you just can't take in this much excitement at one event. It's a lunatic game. Yeah, isn't that something? That's funny that uh, that that's the way it was perceived. It's not just like, can you believe this is this is amazing? This is fun stuff to watch. It's more like, I don't know. I don't think the public's ready for this yet. Well, and it also it kind of it seems the way I read that quote is. There is a, a bit of a dig there as if to say, you know, these, look at what these guys are doing just to feel something. Well, sure. It's the, uh, it's the lowbrow art right, again, yeah, right? I mean, it's, yeah. that's where it comes back to our time now. You're right. I, you know, I don't know where we want to wrap up with all this because, uh, I think that we're, we're probably, we've got a little bit more information, like oh. some, some, maybe some, some new turn of yes. that's going on here, right? Yeah. Some modern versions. I think this, that's where we wrap up. Okay. Can I mention just one yeah, other quick thing? Do. When I posted this on Facebook, uh, this is a while back, a couple of weeks ago, um, people wrote in and this is kind of funny and I, I kind of felt the same way about this. You know, I, I saw it, you know, the, the photographs and thought, yeah, it looks pretty dangerous. It looks like a, a fun thing to maybe watch or to, even to be involved in maybe once, you know, just to try yeah. it. Uh, a lot of people wrote and said, ah, that's no big deal. We do this all the time on four wheelers or we did this with motorcycles or, mm-hmm. oh, my, my chiropractor even said, we used to play the same thing on motorcycles. That's not my chiropractor. No wonder he's in that. But, well, I, um, so <laughs> yeah, he's probably got an endless <laughs> supply of patients right there. So, you know, people have tried this and I, I feel, Strongly as if I had tried that. I've tried this before on bicycles. Yeah, with, I've done this on bicycles with croquet mallets, mm-hmm. like the wooden croquet yeah. mallets. I know that I have a different ball, maybe a, maybe a tennis ball. They'd be too short for a car, but they'll work on a bike. Exactly or right. Maybe a motorcycle too, depending on the bike. Well, plus I was ten years old and I had a bike. I didn't have, <laughs> a, you know, I didn't have a motorcycle at the time right. or whatever. So, you know, it, you use what you've got, and people say that you know, big deal. I've tried this before with that, and I I get it. But this sport, this is like full contact ramming cars and other cars and running over the other opponents type uh plane. Right. It, it was it's a little bit more brutal than what I think it's getting credit for. It really was. And and the the whole the the quote that said something like deaths were rare but you know that this, that yeah. leads you to believe that you know it happened. It didn't it yeah. didn't happen often, but it happened. And you know cuts and bruises were par for the course broken bones, but also the accounts of people being run over. Um man, that's that's pretty horrific and you know the, the cars were lighter the wheels were thinner, I guess. I don't know. How are you gonna how can you spin this, I guess? It's still hundreds of pounds, if not you know, a thousand pounds rolling over you. Well, yeah, I have I have three things here. Okay. Um well now I guess four, but they're they're quick. So you can see the stunts where it looks like someone's getting rolled over by even a semi truck. Mm-hmm. And the way that that happens all depends on the distribution of weight, right? Like if you have something off to the side putting enough pressure on the left side of the of the truck, then the right side is going to be so close to off the ground that it could actually roll over someone without injuring them. Sure. Got that. Uh, but I think if that I, I think the case here, at least in the time with those Model Ts, I think the case was more that uh the vehicles themselves didn't have as much power as we would just assume a car having today. Sure. Like it would be suicidal to hop into some cars and, and go and play auto polo. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, you're talking cars that weigh 3,500 pounds. Right. And I uh, have, they go know, in excess of a hundred miles an hour. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and you wouldn't get to that speed on a small course like that, but 
uh, you know, there's that aspect too, is that, you know, they're, they're just that much more metal to them and, uh, they're yeah. just heavier and, and, and of course we're also completely ignoring the surface, you know, that they were laying on a, um, on a grass surface that was soft. Oh yeah, and, that's uh, true. And that helps as well. So you're not playing on concrete or asphalt, or asphalt surface yeah. that, that, you know, is, is unforgiving. Um, we could look at this in a million different ways really, but, um, yeah. yeah, not to take anything away from anybody who has tried this in the past on four wheelers or whatever, mm-hmm. but this was the real deal right here. Yeah, the, that's true. I, I'd love to try it on a four wheeler though. I would too. That sounds like a blast. That Let's like a see lot if we can get the bosses to cover it. I've never played a motorized version of this. Only, only, only the, the pedal bikes. version. Yeah. All right. The other thing, this is not my third thing. Uh, I'm on thing three, but just as a note, somewhere there's somebody so broke that they're just playing polo without horses, right? <laughs> yeah, that's called field hockey. Yeah, because calling it broke polo isn't going to get any <laughs> new fans. I like it. That's funny. <laughs> uh, the third thing, and this is just a tangent. It's super interesting to me. Uh, some people may have heard of this before, but in the course of research on this, I was looking up different similar games in the world. And there's one that's very popular in Central Asia that's super strange. It's called Buzkashi. Have you heard of this? No, I have not. It, the word Buzkashi, which I'm probably mispronouncing, literally means goat dragging in Persian. So it's these teams are horse mounted and they're attempting to drag a goat carcass or a, a calf uh, toward a goal. It's the national sport of Afghanistan. That is the national sport. It's the, the Taliban uh, bandit when they took power, but it was the national sport of Afghanistan. Uh, Taliban considered the game immoral, but it's, to me, it's similar in that, you know, there, there's one thing, in this case, a goat carcass instead of a ball, and, uh, their competing teams trying to get this toward the, toward the goal. Uh, but they have matches on Fridays. Thousands of people come see them. Wow. So awful that it was banned by the Taliban. <laughs> I mean, that says something. It was Taliban. Oh, I like it. Yeah. Oh man. Oh man. <laughs> I hope I get in trouble for that one. Clever. Uh, but they also, in some places, people also play it using yaks, riding yaks, not dragging. Yak riding carcass. a yak. Uh huh. Dragging a goat carcass. Yep. It's okay. a, it's a different world, man. It, I don't know uh, what to tell you. It surely is. I would love to see a game, though. I, <laughs> I, I bet you could find a clip of that somewhere on YouTube. It has to be. There I has mean, to be one. I, I'd love to read more about it. Yeah. Uh, so I think you can. I think if I recall correctly, I did watch one because oh. it's not just in Afghanistan. It's, you know, in all the stands, Pakistan, Turkmenistan, Tajikistan, all those. Wow. Uh, weird sport. Uh, weird sport. But, you know, if you look at it from the outside in, football is kind of weird, too. Yeah, it's true. I guess so. Uh, uh, so there's other versions of this around as well. I mean, there's something called Moto Polo that's uh, yeah. developed in R- Rwanda in 2008. And you think... When you first hear about this, you think, well, that's, that's really the same thing we were just talking about. They play it on motorcycles. Yeah. Uh, the difference is that they use mallets and they hit a ball that's made out of banana leaves. Mm-hmm. So a lot less brutal than dragging around a goat carcass, I guess. But, uh, but still, it's a, uh, it's a popular sport there. And, uh, only a couple of rules. One of the main rules would be that, um, you don't use your feet to kick the, the ball. Right. And you can't stick objects into the other motorcycle's wheels, uh, which makes perfect sense. Well, it was started by a guy named Sam Dargan. Uh, currently, it's not uh, a global sport by any means. It has only a few dedicated followers. Uh, one thing that concerned me is that another one of their big uh, rules is don't forget the beer. 
<laughs> that concerns you? Well, I assume it's for after when they're hanging out. That's, a great, that's a great rule. <laughs> Don't forget the beer. Uh, so there are five players on a team. They have opposing goals. They have 15-minute quarters with a beer's worth break in between. <laughs> okay, I see where this is going. This is a beer league sport. This is like uh, you know the softball teams that they call the beer leagues. Right, it's right. a similar idea, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And uh, in in the capital of Rwanda, uh, these these kind of uh, bikes we're talking about are commonly used as uh, taxis, and people and they're way more common there than they would be in your average U.S. town. So these are kind of like the surplus bikes, the ones that are maybe a little washed up, a little used, mm-hmm. uh, not necessarily the ones that they need for making a living, but maybe their second bike. I mean, they're TV, they're like 125 cc. Okay. So they're not, you know, they're not mean and large by any, mm-hmm. any me- measure or means. Uh, so <clears throat> the, you can watch the first Moto Polo match from, uh, Kigali and that is on YouTube. It should still be up there. And it seems like people are getting interested, right? Uh, they also have one called the Indiana Jones rules. Uh, that's the one for the, you can't, how you can't stick stuff into the spokes. Oh, okay. Yeah, I get it now. And that's from, you know, the last sure. crusade. That's the, uh, oh, I'm thinking of the minecart. Is that right? Oh, wait. Maybe the minecart's right. Yeah, that's yeah. the minecart. They stuck, uh, Cause I'm thinking of tank treads. Yeah, my minecart, I think. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, so, darn, I got a bone up on my Indiana Jones, man. Maybe you're right. Tank treads? I don't know. I have to look into this. It's been a while. Well, no, the, I think they definitely both happened. So maybe one of them was a callback. Anyway, we're it's a di- good. It's a good move. It's a good move. <laughs> it's an Indiana Jones move. We're uh, we're digressing. We just want you to know that the dream of auto po- polo lives on today in some form or another. Uh, possibly, uh, if you have kids uh, with them on bikes, uh, don't. I hate to be the guy who says it, but don't. Hop in your car and play this game. And no, not, not in a parking lot at the mall or something. That's a no. terrible idea. But but if you have maybe four four wheelers on some empty yep. property out in the middle of nowhere, eh, give it a shot. See what you see. What do you come up with? I mean, I'd be interested to see um, if any of our listeners maybe have a, a video clip of them playing something like this. Yeah, that would be fun because you know it's the kind of thing where you drag out the uh, the old camcorder. You know, the end of the day, if it was you know a decade ago or whatever. If you're doing it now, of course, you got your iPhone sent right. in a clip. I uh, would love to see it. I'd be interested, too, to see if a demolition derby would allow its participants to do something like this. <laughs> it seems like the main thing is the risk to the person who's out there mallet manning, well, you know, you just hanging what, off the side. You don't want your arm hanging out of a demolition derby car, that's for sure. No, no, no. I'd be driving. Oh, oh, I see. I see. Yeah, <laughs> we'll yeah. find someone else. Okay, got it. Uh, so we'll find someone else who is not as... Uh, Attached. Yeah, to don't their don't worry. Arms. Don't worry. I'd be okay. What's it? Yeah, right. <laughs> What's that? How's that old joke go? Like I've attached to the, my arms. I've had them since I was young. Oh, all right. They're not all going to be funny, folks. Sorry about that. Here, I got a funny one for you. you this you one for the kids. Going? Yeah. Okay. Why does a chicken coop only have two doors? Why is that? Because if it had four doors, it would be a chicken sedan. <laughs> That's a clean one. That, the that kids is a could, clean one. The kids could even say that, you know, that they can get away with that at school. How have whenever. I not heard that one? That's a very clean one. I don't know. It's an old one. Um, I found a, I found an old one that was, uh, it was okay. Tell me what you think of this. All right. There's no I in denial. Crickets. What? There's no I in denial. Like no the, I. Like the the way denial is spelled. Oh boy, Ben! Really? I don't know. Chicken coop, chicken sedan. Yeah, that gets big laughs every time. 
<laughs> You're killing it. I think it's big laughs. <laughs> You're killing it at the children's birthday crowd. Yeah. Well, we better we better go. This really devolved, didn't it? <laughs> let's take it back to chicken sedan. Okay, let's do that. Yeah, I'm sorry. I didn't. No, mean that's to, great. I didn't mean to just no, stare at you after that. That's the good one. <laughs> <laughs> that's the good one. All right. I I've never heard that one actually. Yeah, kills with the kids. <laughs> I bet it does. No, not really. Not really. <laughs> kids would have to know what a coupe is and what a sedan is, and yeah, oh, it just doesn't true. fly there. So it almost is like for. I guess it's for driving age people. Oh man, it's for people who trade dad jokes, huh? I guess so. Yeah, uh, well, you know that's a better way to classify that. That's a dad joke. Oh man, middle aged man joke maybe. I like dad jokes. I think yeah. I think dad jokes are chuckle worthy. Mm. Uh, so we hope that you enjoyed this episode. Uh, we hope that any disclaimer we did not explicitly say is easily understood, right? Because this is getting in a car. Uh, driving in close quarters, trying to hit people and balls. Yeah, well, they need to bring this league back, like yeah. a modern version of it. I'd love to see it. I'd love to see it. Yeah, that would be interesting. I mean, it's been 100 years. It's been 100 years since this is really popular. Let's get it back. Let's do it again. I wonder if, you know, if you could modify the vehicle such that it would be safer than it was in the beginning. You remember that show that was on, like, Saturday mornings? It was called The Gladiators or something yes. like that. Yes. American Gladiators. Yeah, American Gladiators. This would be a great sport for and them. And you shoot know, those little Nerf things yeah, at you I mean, out they of the could, turn. They could do this on uh, golf carts or something like that. Perfect use. Oh, golf carts. That's not that bad. Yeah, I sure. think golf carts would be... I mean, geez, you could play this like an impromptu version of this on any golf course this weekend. Not that we told you to do it. No. But, but if that happens, please send photos. <laughs> please don't do it. <laughs> but if you do. But if you do. Don't do it. But if you do. Exactly. Send photos. Uh, so we're going to go ahead and uh, and head out here. If you would like to see this and other interesting stories about cars from around the world and throughout time, check out our Facebook and Twitter pages where you can see us posting a lot of stuff that sometimes makes it to the air, sometimes doesn't for one reason or another. Uh, but the best way to know is to uh, check us out there where we are car stuff HSW at both of those. You can hear every podcast we have ever done on our website carstuffshow.com and if you want to write to us directly you have an idea for a nickname for our super producer uh, you have a topic you'd like us to cover in the future uh, you have a dad joke or you want to start an auto polo league uh, you know any old thing uh, write to us directly we are carstuff at howstuffworks.com for more on this and thousands of other topics visit howstuffworks.com let us know what you think Send an email to podcast at howstuffworks.com. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape begins a journey to fight for a future for apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX this Friday and theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. Viking. Committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, cultural enrichment, and all-inclusive fairs. Discover more at Viking.com. What do the most successful growing businesses have in common? They're working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. 
Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started.